Welcome back, dear listeners, to the Dish with Dina podcast. I'm so happy to have you join us. Today, I'll be sharing with you some information about Alzheimer's disease, which is a non-reversible age-related brain disorder and form of dementia. November was National Alzheimer's Disease Awareness Month, and we also have Alzheimer's and Brain Health Awareness Month coming up in June. So I thought I'd use today as an opportunity to discuss this condition along with its risk factors, current treatments, and share with you also some overall brain health guidance. So sit back, enjoy the conversation, and let's dish. Let's start off first by defining what Alzheimer's disease is. It's a non-reversible age-related brain disorder. It is a form of dementia, and dementia is kind of an umbrella term given to any decline in cognitive function that ends up affecting our everyday life. It can worsen over time. It eventually results in significant loss of memory and mental function. And there are connections of the specific neurons that are in our brain, which then leads to the untimely death of them. And then maybe even the death of us, depending on how complicated or extreme we're into, because there is quite of a range when you're, you know, early onset, we'll talk a little bit about that shortly, early onset or late onset dementia. This is to be known that it is not a normal change that just comes with aging. I mean, I'm in my fifties and I already half joke, unfortunately, sometimes that I think I might be experiencing some early onset dementia because I often forget what I'm doing when I walk into a room or I've been known to, you know, put things in a cabinet when they should go into the refrigerator. So things like that, just because maybe you're not focused or you're not paying attention to something doesn't necessarily mean that you have early onset or Alzheimer's disease or dementia. However, one of the most well-known risk factors of Alzheimer's disease is getting older. So that we'll talk a little bit too about risk factors there as well. And the majority of Alzheimer's patients are ages 65 years old and higher. People who develop younger onset Alzheimer's disease can be in what are known as the early, early, medium, or late stages of this condition because it is also a degenerative condition in which symptoms worsen as time goes on. So yes, you can be younger than 65 and experiencing this. A couple of things I wanted to know on here too that I just recently found out about when I'm researching on, on these topics, but this one in particular, two things that really caught my eye because we just talked about diabetes in the last episode. So I've been hearing that it's possible that Alzheimer's disease will eventually be termed or is starting to get termed as type three diabetes because there could be some sort of connection in Alzheimer's disease and diabetes slash poorly controlled blood sugars. I kind of have a theory on this, which I'll explain in a bit. The neurons and the things that go on in your brain seem to be a lot more receptive to fat heavy diets, like, you know, quality, healthy fats, like avocados, nuts, and salmon. And so it's possible that there's a grain slash carbohydrate issue in effect, but I'm just, I'm theorizing. So please do not take this as, you know, a, a exact science of what I'm sharing with you. I think it's just in the works. The second thing, this, this second thing is actually researched and studied that there seems to be a correlation between hearing loss and a faster decline in the brain. Because if 
you are experiencing your hearing loss and you are not properly managing it with some sort of adaptive device like a hearing aid, your brain kind of gets a little confused and then you might even socially isolate. And in doing so causes that issue of not engaging in conversation, being confused, and it kind of tricks your brain into the fact that you might be sicker than you are. So one of the things that I highly recommend is making sure if you do believe that you're dealing with some sort of hearing loss that you get tested either in your yearly physical exams or go and meet with uh, your nose throat person and otolaryngologist to see if there's any hearing issues. Okay, I'm gonna nerd out for a second. Here's where I need my notes to be a little bit science heavy. So when you're talking about brain function and what's going on inside of our brains, we have things called amyloid plaques. These are made up of it's getting, it's getting nerdy. I apologize. Beta amyloid peptide fragments. If you're part of the science world, you're going to love this. But these are words that I want to share with you because maybe when you're at the doctor's office or maybe when you hear about diagnoses, you hear this language. Or maybe if you like watching, you know, hospital dramas and, and television shows, you'll hear these things. And at least you can kind of be in on it. So these are mixed with a variety of other proteins and they make up nerve cells and what are known as neurons. Okay, so we have amyloid plaques made up of beta amyloid peptide fragments mixed with other proteins, small parts of other nerve cells and uh, remnants of neurons. Inside the neurons, we have these things called NFT, neurofibrillary tangles. And these are not supposed to be there. These are irregular accumulations of a protein called tau, T-A-U. So when you have a healthy neuron, that tau protein is necessary, but then these clusters, when you're dealing with Alzheimer's disease or these brain cognitive decline uh, conditions or diagnoses, you're having those neurons lose their ability to operate normally, start deteriorating, you lose your memory, you lose your learning abilities, right? You forget where things go, how to have your motor functions. And that is because of that loss of the connection between the neurons. The two types that I mentioned earlier about Alzheimer's disease, you have early onset and late onset. And both of these, it's believed to have a genetic component to them. So if you do not know your family history, this could be a time to maybe inquire with somebody to find out what exactly caused so-and-so's death. You don't always die because of Alzheimer's disease, but you might die because of complications from it. Like you might forget something and trip over something or walk into something, and then you end up with a brain injury. Um, so that's just an example I want to share with you. Not everybody always thinks that they have that in their family, but I guarantee you, you probably have someone that you can hearken back on. So it's good to know if you have a family history. If you do not, there are other ways to inquire with your healthcare providers to find out if you could be at risk for this. The majority of Alzheimer's patients have what's known as late onset Alzheimer's disease. It usually presents in, we said around the 65 year old or around their area. According to research, this is not caused by a single gene. We talked about genetic complications or components, but we have these things called apolipoproteins and there's something called apolipoprotein E. APOE is the abbreviation. It's a gene on a chromosome. I'm not going to get all into this, but again, this is just an acknowledgement of terminology that is related to this condition 
and it's a genetic risk factor because it can increase the likelihood of developing disease. I know a couple of people who know that they have this genetic mutation and are doing what they can to try to prevent this disease, this condition from progressing earlier than it, it can it should. But that said, we don't really know the true cause of what it what does cause Alzheimer's disease in the majority of people. It's probably multifactorial, as almost a lot of things are. It can be the combination of age-related changes in the brain. It can be an environmental thing. Literally, where you're living can affect whether you're in you know a toxic environment, heavy metals, and that sort of thing. It could be lifestyle factors, and as I mentioned, it could be family history or genetic predispositions to this as well. So a variety of things going on there. In the age-related changes that you can see as a normal process, you have things that are known as like atrophy or vascular damage, right? So this is heart and cellular uh, blood vessels and things that just get damaged over time. Inflammation is something that a lot of people talk about too. Inflammation can affect so many different parts of our body and can come from a variety of different things, whether it's diet, lifestyle, if you are recovering from an illness or injury, there's a lot of ways that your body can just naturally be inflamed at a variety of times. So it's possible that, again, a culmination or a combination of those things can cause unstable issues happening in at a cellular level and then a breakdown of what's going on inside your cells. Alzheimer's is the most common cause of dementia. I stated earlier that this is a general name for just cognitive decline that affects a person's abilities to perform everyday activities. And it accounts for, as far as Alzheimer's concerned, accounts for 60 to 80% of dementia cases. So it's a very prevalent form of dementia. I just shared uh, not a few sentences ago about brain injury. So there is a connection between brain injury and having an increased risk of dementia. So here's where PSA, my friends, make sure you're buckling up, wear your helmet, especially if you're outdoors on a motorcycle or engaging in sports. And if just by nature, as we age, we also become more prone to falls and fractures because we lose our balance. So here's where stability exercises are helpful, making sure that we have core strength to keep us from fall proofing ourselves in a way. And that's that's something that you could you know hopefully work on too if you have the ability and the mobility to do that. There's also a tie between brain and heart health, because again, we're talking about this highly vascular system, this network of blood arteries and things that are related to your heart. Your heart is responsible for pumping blood into the vein, into the brain. And so if there's an issue with heart disease, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, it's possible that you could also have a higher risk of issues regarding your brain health and, and specifically Alzheimer's disease here too. There's a note in my notes that up to 80% of people with Alzheimer's disease have cardiovascular disease as well. Going into either preventative or management. Now, this is something that cannot be cured, unfortunately, can only be managed. And when we talk about management of a condition, if you're, you know, already in the throes of it, it might be quote unquote too late. But if you're, you know, aware of some of the risk factors and what you might be able to do to prevent it, 
then hopefully you can slow the progression of that getting worse. Like many debilitating diseases without cures, you know, we're always concerned about, you know, what can we do to prevent this from being worse? There is a drug that's being made available. I'm not going to go too far into this in this podcast episode, but I am going to link in the notes a wellness webinar that I did with one of my interns a while back, and she shares a ton of information on this. And we have a lot of current research that we came across in that as well. But we had the United States Food and, Drug, Food and Drug Administration, the FDA, had given some approval to a, a, a treatment method, a drug in helping with targeting the biological causes or slowing the progression of this, the Alzheimer's from progressing into something even worse. So it decreases those beta amyloid plaques that I mentioned earlier, those things that kind of like stick together and cause that malfunctioning of the neurons to speak to each other, to connect with each other. And it's possible that it can help with, what I guess, is it reducing the decline? Reducing the decline into having that um, Alzheimer's disease get progressively worse. Also, factors like social and mental impact, physical activity, diet, and sleep. Sleep is a huge factor. I cannot stress this enough. Even though I'm a registered dietitian, I always ask my patients and my clients about their sleep habits. My understanding is that the way that I was taught this is almost like our brain has a little housekeeping crew. And so if you are not meeting the quality and the quantity of your sleep requirements, that it's almost like turning a light on in the middle of this housekeeping crew coming to do what they need to do in your brain. So I always picture, you know, a little group of tiny little, I don't know, people, cells, I don't know, whatever I picture them as, these little things that are going on in my brain, that they're in there scrubbing away, right? Scrubbing away those pla that plaque buildup that's happening up in my brain. And if, you know, once in a while, I've mentioned before that I'm an adjunct lecturer. So a lot of times my students will cram for exams or when they're working on papers or projects. And once in a while, if you have a bout with sleep issues, insomnia, you know, you're cramming for something and pulling an all-nighter, okay, maybe not a big deal. But if you start noticing patterns of not being able to meet at least seven hours of quality sleep, so you're sleeping through the night, you're waking up somewhat refreshed, you're not tossing and turning and finding it hard to go back to sleep, then that is going to end up being an issue down the line that is putting you more at risk for playing a role in potentially putting yourself at a higher risk of getting Alzheimer's disease later in life. Physical activity can also help with lowering incidence of cognitive decline. It's an important aspect, of course, of any total body, body wellness regimen. So there's always the recommendation of engaging in, I think it's 150 total minutes a week in some sort of cardio respiratory, cardiovascular exercise to get that blood flowing, going through your brain and body, the oxygen flowing in there too. And this is where I always point out that it's possible you do not have the ability to move your body like that. And so move what you can is always something that we encourage people, whatever you happen to be uh, able to move in your body, whether it's, you know, fast motion arm movements or seated chair yoga or something like that. Or if you do have some sort of mobility issues or physical disability, then most likely you're also meeting with a doctor or a physical therapist who can tell you what to do to make sure that you're not getting blood clots in your body to make sure that you get that oxygen and blood flowing. So moving what you can, however you can. Time is also something that comes up a lot too. If you can't move 150 minutes 
for a week in a row broken down into like, you know, 30 minutes uh, for five days, then break it into 10 minute segments. Anything is better than nothing. Food, diet, nutrition recommendations or something called the mind diet. So again, sharing this with you as just an FYI with, you know, quote unquote treatments to help with slowing the progression of it or how you can help whatever you can, whatever role you can play to help reducing the risk of Alzheimer's in your world. Nothing you haven't heard before, my friends. The MIND diet is a mashup acronym for the Mediterranean diet, which in itself is just, you know, a very specific way of eating all produce type of things, you know, whole foods, uh, fruits and vegetables, darkly colored fruits and vegetables, legumes, grains, nuts, and also seafood is in there too. And the DASH diet. So the MIND diet is a combo of the Mediterranean diet and the DASH diet. The DASH diet stands for, I'm going to give you a second. Do you know what that is? You've heard me probably say it before in one of the previous episodes. It stands for dietary approaches to stop hypertension. We just said earlier that brain health, heart health, very interrelated. So if you are eating in a way in a way that helps reduce your blood pressure or manage blood pressure, then hopefully you're also helping treat or slow the progression of, or maybe even potentially prevent Alzheimer's disease from getting in there. So in a traditional Mediterranean diet, you have things like grains, grain-based foods, legumes, fr uh, fruits and vegetables, nuts. So, you know, whatever, handful of everything, a serving size of everything, mix it up and jazz it up and, Here's why I always disclaim I'm not your dietitian, so it's possible you might have some existing conditions where some of these foods or allergies or intolerances where some of these foods might not be for you, in which case you know what to do. You either take it upon yourself to figure out what's up or ask to meet with a dietitian so you can work together and decide what foods would work best for you in your meal plan. Seafood comes up in this discussion as well, so what we call a fatty fish like tuna and salmon. They have omega-3 fatty acids. These are the healthy fats that help with brain function, heart function as well. You can include small amounts of meat, dairy, egg products. So these things are quote unquote allowed in the diet, but sometimes because of the saturated fat content of that, there could be some issues with cholesterol. So again, make sure you're talking to your healthcare professionals or meeting with a dietitian to figure out what is right for you. And the limit limitation or decreased consumption of things that are high in salt, so sodium content, added sweeteners, added sugars, right? So things like the fun things in life, like chips and dessert and saturated fats. So saturated fats are found in what I just said before, the animal products or, you know, butter and dairy products as well. And also in some of those more uh, higher processed foods. And I just want to side note this for a second. Not everybody can afford to or has access to all of the quote unquote healthy options all the time. You make do with what you got. If you need to buy things like packaged foods or convenience items, there's no shame in that game. I'm just sharing with you some of the guidance that's given. And as I said before, and I'll say it again, when it comes to getting the proper food and nutrition for your body. Make sure you're working with healthcare professionals like dietitians who can help you, but we can also help give you some resources as to where you might be able to find better quality foods or more nutritionally dense foods within your budget or within your you know, zip code if you don't have access to certain things. 
Um, I mentioned the discussion around sleep. And this is something that I often find people tend to sacrifice first a lot of times, right? You'll forego sleep for something else. Like I want to get up early and work out and I only have so much time in the day. So I'm going to forego an hour of my morning or I have to stay up late to work on an assignment. And so, like I said before, you know, just making sure that this is not a pattern of things that when you start seeing common issues over and over again, really with anything and you're noticing patterns, then that can be an issue. All right. So let's wrap up on this discussion about Alzheimer's disease. And as I that earlier, I'm going to link to a wellness webinar that we did on my YouTube. It's re the recordings on my YouTube channel. And you can go watch that for a little bit more detail because I don't want to make these episodes far too long or overwhelming. But definitely see if you can get to know your family history. That's a huge part of it. There are some genetic counselors out there that could help you do that through blood tests, etc. Especially if you don't know who your family is, if you're adopted or if your family like mine, <laughs> they keep a lot of secrets. They don't like to talk about a lot of things, unfortunately. Try to set up small action plans for yourself. This seems a lot of more overwhelming information for you then maybe you know if you feel like you're foregoing your sleep habits try to adjust your sleep schedule make that a priority in the next coming couple of weeks or try to tweak your diet if you feel like you might be a little bit off kilter there we live in a society right now where we have a lot of virtual remote work and we are online and engaging in a lot of virtual connections and that's sometimes good and that's sometimes bad but try to maintain strong social connections reach out for help go outside and be among the 3d people the three-dimension people try to keep your brain as mentally active as possible and your body as physically active as possible and hopefully all of this helps you understand the alzheimer's disease condition and diagnosis a little bit better whether you might be at risk for it or if you know somebody who is dealing with that and i will hopefully share with you some more helpful guidance in the next episode. Thank you so much for joining me this week on the Dish with Dina podcast. I am Dina D'Alessandro, registered dietitian, nutritionist, founder, and chief executive life changer at Dish with Dina. And I'm also your host. If you like what you heard, I would be so grateful if you could subscribe to this podcast leave a review, and share this with others who you think might benefit from what we have to offer on these episodes. You can also join my mailing list at dishwithdina.com or email me at info at dishwithdina.com with questions, comments, feedback, and if you'd like to be a guest on a future episode because everybody eats and we all have a story to share. I hope you tune back in next week when we dish again.